is all I have to give. All of my worship. Let my life be Lord. Here's my worship. All of my, all of my worship. Father, receive my, receive my worship. All of my, all of my worship. Say you, Lord, one more time. You. not worship, the Bible says that the rocks will cry out. Whether we are recognizing it or not, all of creation, all of creation cries out. Worship, worthy, glory, and honor, and praise. Before we hear this amazing testimonies, I just want to, if you'd close your eyes for, for a moment with me. It was in a, a mission Sunday just like this decades ago when I sensed God's call into full-time vocational ministry. A service just like this as an 18-year-old kid. And I'm gonna challenge and encourage you to do this one thing for me and that is simply say these seven words, speak Lord for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, prayer of Samuel, and for Samuel, for your servant is listening. To a little boy, divine call on his life came when he uttered those seven words, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Just right where you are, right where you are. You could say it out if you want to. You could pray quietly if you want to. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That prayer changed the trajectory of Samuel's life change the trajectory of my life and my prayer for all of us here today is that the Holy Spirit who hears that prayer will change the trajectory of some of our lives. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you just give a huge warm, there's gonna be lots of testimonies. So as these folks 
shared today, just preemptively give them a warm round of applause, okay? Good morning, new community. It is wonderful to be here with you all today. Um, before, I'm not actually sharing right now, I'm just kind of doing an introduction for you all. Um, as Susie mentioned, today is Mission Sunday. Uh, we are so excited to have an opportunity for you to hear from some of the missionaries within our congregation that our church supports and also other people who've been attending our church who are faithfully serving God. Um, as Pastor Peter often says, each of us has a kingdom assignment with our name on it. Uh, our challenge is often taking the time to listen to God, to hear and know what that assignment is, and then to respond, stepping out in faith to serve. Another key component that, um, which we're reminded of this morning, is the idea of being reconciled to be a reconciler. What this means, or at least how I interpret it, is that we need to be reconciled to God first, accepting who he has created us to be, so that we can be a reconciler among others and help to bring transformation and healing. Some of you may still be wondering why we are taking time to have a Mission Sunday. If we think back to our mission statement, we want to be an alternate Chicago, an authentic community, not just for ourselves, but in order to transform lives and bring more people to know Jesus. God calls each of us as his followers to help advance his kingdom and spread the good news of salvation across the nations. It's important to take time to remember why we are here and what God may be calling us to. The hope is that today each of us will be impacted by the stories that we hear of the ways our church family, extended and local, is stepping out and faithfully serving God. Thank you. Our first is a video from uh, missionaries. So you can... Hi, church family. Hi, uh, we are Julio and Katie Isasa, living in Colombia. We are two boys and serving with Evangelical Covenant Church. We partner with the church in a variety of ways, uh, four primarily. Um, the first is leadership development through biblical and theological training. Uh, the second is Christian formation with children, youth, and young adults, um, the areas of peace and reconciliation and community development. As we serve in Colombia, there is a Bible verse that has been the core of ministry here, which is Matthew 5, 9. And Matthew 5, 9 reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. In Spanish, it says, Dichosos los que trabajan por la paz, porque ellos serán llamados hijos de Dios. And in our work here in Colombia, we are convinced that peacemaking and reconciliation are core to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you uh, for your support and prayers. Uh, please keep praying. Thank you and God bless you. Um, as many of you have seen or heard the Asazas, they are great missionaries who we've supported for many, many years who came out of our congregation. Um, ben, you can go ahead and come on up. Ben is going to share a little bit of um, his story and testimony and the way that he um, has been faithfully serving God. Thanks. Well, let's, let's praise God for what, what God is doing in Colombia with the partnership of the Sazas and the other missionaries from the, the Covenant Church that are present there in Medellin, right? 
Amen. So just a little introduction. My name is Ben Wickstrom, and I have been attending here at New Community um, for intermittently for the last year and a half along with my wife, Emily. And it is, it is, it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to share with you today. And I'm not sharing because of I, I have something new to share with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm here to share a testimony of what God has done in my life and what God is doing around the world. I know that there's going to be a few pictures up, up front and, I'll, um, and they're, they're going to help share a little bit of my story. But I first want to mention kind of what Pastor Peter was just saying about that decades ago that a mission Sunday is what touched his life and, and allowed him to feel a call into ministry. And I know I want to share that in my life, there have been many opportunities, whether that's um, meeting Sarah for the first time in the Congo in 1996, or, or serving in Ecuador, or studying abroad for a semester in Mexico. These different experiences allowed me to see God's kingdom in a much bigger light around the world. And, and there was a, like a nudge that God put in my heart to serve in ministry. And it's hard to ignore that, you know? God, God calls each of us to be reconcilers because of the reconciliation work that he's doing in our lives. And, and as I was, after I graduated college and I was working, I, I kept coming back to that. And I kept reflecting on my time internationally in Latin America, and, and I, I, I couldn't ignore it. And so in, 2010, I applied to be a missionary with the Covenant Church and had the opportunity to go and serve in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is, if, if you're not aware of Mexico, it's, it's in the southern part of Mexico and along the Pacific coast, and it's actually one of the poorest areas of Mexico and the most diverse, over, over 50 different ethnic groups in that one state, but also has some of the, the largest needs in that area for um, economically and spiritually. And so during that time, I, well, I went for one year, but God had a different plan. And so after that one year, I actually extended into a second year because of what God was doing through the church in Oaxaca and what he was doing in my own life there. And that second year turned into a third year. And so I'm, I'm going to share just real briefly about one of those experiences. Up here, you, you see, um, you see a, a church family in the town of Santinez del Monte. Santinez is this little town nestled up in the mountains in Oaxaca, where the, the main form of, of um, sustain, sustenance is farming, raising goats, and cutting firewood to sell. But these people have been part of, they're, they're part of the local covenant church, and they received me into their homes. I, I went and I had this plan to help with youth, help with children. They invited me to preach a couple times. Preaching in Spanish was, was a little out of my comfort zone, but um, it was an opportunity. I received hospitality from them that touched my life in ways that I could, I don't know, it's, it was God doing his, continuing to do his reconciling work in my life. And through that experience, I was able to visit their, their community about once a month and stay with them on the weekends, and they became my family in Oaxaca. 
And I have been back a few times since, and every time they continue to welcome me. It is those, those people, they are continuing to do God's work there in that place as well. And so they have made such an impact in my life that I continue to be faithful to, ser- to God's service now too. If you show the next picture, um, it's just a picture at a baptism that I was able to attend with them. God is touching people's lives in that place. After serving in, in Oaxaca, I actually took a big leap of faith and decided to attend seminary so that I could be better prepared to serve and, and to be part of God's kingdom in his ministry. And while in seminary here in Chicago, it, it's not easy, you know, to, to work and to study, but God has given me opportunities to continue to be faithful, whether from serving on campus, doing, working with discipleship, working with tr- helping plan travel courses, and even having the opportunity this past March to travel to Medellin, Colombia, where I actually I met the Sazas there and, and worked with the other missionaries and visited several different ministry op- ministries that are happening in Colombia. So I can tell you firsthand, the work that the Sazas are doing is amazing and it is life-changing. God is doing a work of reconciliation and peace in Medellin through the church with the partnership of the, the missionaries that, that we're supporting. And so I want to share three things that stood out to me from my, our time in Colombia. Because I, I went there with a group of students from North Park University. If you could go to the next picture, please. The, one of the things is that we had a time to share with youth and young adults from the Covenant Church in Medellin. You'll see here, we, we met in one of the missionary homes, and that time was a time for us to share about what it means to, to seek peace and reconciliation in our own context, here in Chicago, in our own families, in our own work and school. And they were able to share what it means for them to do so in Colombia. In that time, we were able to see God doing a much bigger work than just what it means for our own congregation or our own community. But God is doing this work around the world through the people he is reconciling so that they can also be ambassadors and reconcile, reconcilers in this world. A second, second thing that stood out was God is using even the city to do that. In Medellin, they have, there are many different displaced peoples from all around Colombia that have violence has caused them to lose their homes, lose their farms. They've had to move places like to the city to survive. And so the city of Medellin is even has even started rethinking the way that they do infrastructure. And so transportation and public places like libraries and soccer fields and creating all these things so that people are connected and more unified to help create peace. And a third thing is, is, um, is conversation and its relationship. And that is a way that the Covenant Church and, and our missionaries are also helping bring about peace and reconciliation, allowing people to share their stories of the hurt and the brokenness in their lives and to hear the stories of those that have caused that hurt so that we can move towards reconciliation. These, these are opportunities that, that I've had in my own life 
And I've been able to see God's work in a much bigger way through what, what God is doing in this world. The final picture shows just our group of students from North Park there in Colombia, along with, there's, there's even one young lady all the way on the far left that was part of a discipleship program that continues to serve in her, in her, um, her church in Medellin. God is doing great things in this world, and we are, we're called to be part of that. I'm, I'm just one person. I speak a little Spanish, but I, I, don't, I, I don't know everything. But God is going to use me. God is going to use each and every one of us. Whether that's serving in Medellin, or in Mexico, or in the Dominican Republic, or here in Chicago, that God has called us each to be reconcilers because he has first reconciled us. And he is calling the whole world to be reconciled back to him. Amen. Sorry, I turned it off. Um, could you play the video from the Kims? Thanks. Hi, new community. We are Peter and Anna Kim in Shanxi, China. We've been serving here for 15 years this year, and we are part of a Christian international organization called Shanxi Evergreen Services. Peter and I are co-project leaders for Shalom Family Services. Uh, the project works with local volunteers to train them to become peer counselors, and we also provide support, resources, and training uh, to the community here, especially focusing on uh, parenting, marriage, and how to help individuals. For many years, you know, Anna and I, you know, we try to understand better ourselves and other people. And especially we, you know, you know we have uh, adopted daughter with a special needs. But in the end, you know, we are realizing that by only with understanding, uh, it doesn't change people's hearts. Ultimately, forgiveness will change our hearts and other people's hearts. As we repent in our idols in our hearts, and as we forgive other people who causing inconvenience our life, you know, we uh, let the kingdom of God uh, come on earth it is in heaven. So we'd like to share Psalm 51 verse 4. He says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I'll say it in Mandarin here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, before I share, I actually want to read a verse to you, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, many of you know that I grew up on the mission field. Um, while I was surrounded by missionaries, I never really felt called to that life. Um, but at the same time, I always knew that God was calling me to further his kingdom and serve him. And so for a long time, I've wrestled with what that looks like. And in different seasons, it, it shines in different ways. Um, more recently, that has meant for me um, being a teacher in a Chicago public school. Um, I last fall left working at New Community, which was a wonderful experience, and went back into teaching. And um, when I think on what that process was like to enter back into the classroom, I was scared, terrified, but at the same time I felt such peace when I would walk into the school that I was supposed to be working at and that I still am working at um, because the Holy Spirit was working in me um, and really guiding me and saying, no, Sarah, this is where you are supposed to be. Um, and then I met my students and I cried out to God and said, why are I here? <laughs> what are you doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> no, I did not sign up for this. I do not want this. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to something much more comfortable. <laughs> no, because I was and still am working at a school um, that a lot of the kids really struggle with various aspects of trauma and my group in particular, um, they've been traumatized by a number of different things in their life and they needed somebody to be able to show God's love to them. They needed someone to be able to sit with them and daily say, here is how to feel and here is how to process what you are going through and let me give you a space that you can feel safe in, that you can feel like you can actually learn in, that you are loved in um, and you are cared for and you are okay. Um, and my class has grown a lot. They are much better at communicating how they feel, what they need, um, but it's a journey, right? It's a journey for me to continually say to God, okay, God, how can I be the teacher that they need today? I am stepping out in faith. I am terrified. I don't want to do this. I would rather do something different. Um, but I knew and still know that God wanted me there. Um, and, and so each day I get up very, very early and go to work and stay way too long after the school day is done just because I know that that's where God wants me. Um, and my response is faithfully serving and saying, okay, God, this is what you want me to do, so I will do it. And I will love these kids every day that I can, and I will shower them with grace and forgiveness and set an example and plant that seed. Will I see that seed grow into a flourishing tree? No, but I'll, I'll do my part. Um, each of us has that part that we are called to do. Um, we don't get to see the fruits often, but we do the thing that God is calling us to. Um, or something else I was going to say. Um, I, um, 
Peter had said something recently in one of his last sermons that really struck me, and I wanted to share it with you. It said that God calls us to broken places to bring shalom in communities where it's needed. Um, and I really feel like I am doing that um, in ways that I know I am incapable of, but by surrendering to God, he is working through me and really doing that work. Um, and I want to end with this for you. Throughout our city, we have so many opportunities to be an influence on others and transform lives. My hope is that just like me stepping out in faith every day to serve God in a school, that you will think about where God is asking you to step out in faith and serve him. When you know what that is, whether at your work, in your neighborhood, somewhere else, take that step of faith and respond. Embrace your kingdom assignment. Because not only will you be able to be transformed by, sorry, you will be transformed in the process of bringing transformation to other people. I have been transformed by these kids, forever changed by them. Um, and you have that great opportunity to do so as well. Uh, panelists, you can go ahead and come on up. Awesome. Good morning, church. My name is Praj David, and I work with Serve Globally of the Evangelical Covenant Church. One of my roles um, as the manager of church relations is resourcing churches so that they can engage in mission well. I'm excited to be here with you all today um, and be part of this panel. I have a few questions for um, a panel uh, about how we could engage globally and locally. But before that, I want to set us up um, by digging a little deeper about the why and mission. Why do we engage in mission? Mission helps us to live out our worship for God. It is rooted in God's love for us and the world. It is because God first sent God's self to us is why we are sent by God. So we always need to remember that, that it is not us who go first, but that God has already gone before us. My boss, Al Tizan, who's also the executive minister of Serve Globally, an author and a missiologist says that worship and mission are interdependent on each other. Worship is how we live out our love for God, and mission is how we live out our love for people. We cannot um, separate the two from each other without reducing the gospel. Our love for God is reflected in how we love people. This should call us to demonstrate our love through our actions. This is how we witness to the world and invite people to come taste and see that God is good. When it, is, when it comes to mission, there's so much we celebrate, like today. 
And at the same time, there's so much that we grieve. Not always has the church been the beautiful feet that has been asked to bring good news. We should recognize our role as a church and a complicity in the pain that we have caused in the name of God and mission. However, not engaging in mission is not an option because it reflects our lack of hope and not God's. It reflects our privilege. Because for people who are suffering and are being marginalized, not having hope is not an option. So as the church, we need to live this act of hope out in action by engaging in mission. We can do this by first taking a posture of learning. How do we learn from the church that's marginalized and suffering and how we should engage with the world? We have a panel here today that's going to talk um, and share a little bit about what they're doing locally and globally. And hopefully they will offer some insights that we can take back into our engagement um, in our daily lives. So I'm going to pass the microphone, um, starting with Mickey, but tell us a little bit about who you are, the context in which you serve, and what you do. So my name is Mickey Sanchez. Some of you may know me. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Some of you may know me as the face of men's ministry here, and if you're a guy here and you're not involved, come talk to me afterwards. Um, it's awesome. So uh, what my, the context in which I serve, uh, I like to think of myself as an agent of gospel and uh, of gospel renewal and transformation on campuses. And so I work at Northwestern University through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And my focus is graduate students and faculty, um, which is different than most of the university kind of does undergrad. So we focus on the folks who kind of set the culture for the university and stay there long term so that we can influence that whole group and the dream is, as a former UN president said, if you change the university, you change the world. Uh, my name is Marsha Wang, and yay, thanks. <laughs> oh, one fan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's my small group. Any, um, uh, I've been on staff with the university as well for the last 27 years. It was supposed to be a three-year commitment, and then I was going to go overseas, but apparently I needed 20 years for preparation before God would let me go. Um, so my ministry has started here in the States uh, five years with IFES, which is the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. And then I've been back for the last year and two years um, serving with grad and faculty ministry. And I um, provide strategic planning kind of things, um, facilitating that, doing diversity training, and also uh, overseeing our focused ministries, which includes um, grand faculty um, who are in MBA ministry, law ministry, uh, professional schools, if you will, and also international students and women in the academy and black uh, scholars and professionals. Hello, my name is Pete X. Strand, and with our wife, uh, my wife Sarah, our parents, or my wife Cindy, our parents of Sarah. Um, we serve with the Evangelical Covenant Church in DR Congo. We've been missionaries with the Covenant for 38 years this June, and our, just a little snippet, I've been, we've been back in the United States for medical care for me, and we just got cleared to return to Congo and hope to be leaving within a couple of weeks. Hallelujah. Um, ministries have been initially agricultural education, and most recently, in the last 10 years, we've been back in Congo a leadership development and a leadership transformation program called Community Health Evangelism, which is working in villages 
uh, bringing about reconciliation and shalom and helping people to really take charge of their own future and move forward, uh, plus a multitude of other various things. And Cindy has more. Hi, my name is Cindy Ekstran. I'm with Pete and DR Congo as a missionary partnering with the CEUM, that's the Congo Covenant Church, and we're missionaries with uh, Evangelical Covenant Church served globally. And another part of ministry is I come alongside women, women's ministries in different areas. Hospitality really is a ministry out there of how to welcome people um, and to make them feel a part of the community. I'm also uh, teaching English classes, and that's to church leaders, so that they are more capable of being able to reach out and communicate with the Covenant Church and with other people. There's going to be a lot of questions, so you can see the clapping to the end. So I love that this morning you read your mission statement together as a church. Um, to me, that's a wonderful reminder of what your call is so that you're grounded in your call of what it is that you're called to be as a church. When I heard the statement, I heard a call for the church to love Jesus in authentic ways through your community. When I heard it, it felt for me that the church wants to be an alternative community that lives counterculturally in this world, that's saying no to the dominating and conforming patterns of this world of injustice, violence, and oppression. A call to engage in radical discipleship through missional living. As part of new community, how do you see the mission of the church aligned with what you're doing? I love the mission of Newcom, uh, seeking to be a city within a city. You could say universities, grad ministry, or any university, at, uh, at Northwestern in particular. It seeks to be a Northwestern within Northwestern, as it were. We hope to be agents of gospel reconciliation on campus. And so in that way, we're perfectly aligned with what's happening. Um, and this is something you know, that we're doing there, but we're all called to do, of course, throughout, throughout Chicago. Um, and so a lot of what we've done on campus uh, has been how do we create relationships with folks who are often not associated with Christians? So, um, and how do we equip the Christians on campus to learn how to do that? How do we equip them to become agents of gospel transformation? And so we've established relationships with the, um, uh, for example, the Black Graduate Student Association, the Queer Pride Graduate Student Association, and, and others. Um, and, and in doing this, um, We've seen, well, actually, actually, that's a question for later. Uh, but, but, but so we're trying to build these relationships. Our dream is to reach every corner of the campus. And so um, being an agent of reconciliation, you're crossing those lines, trying to make sure you build these relationships that can, can lead to love and, and growth. And we do that in other spaces. And <laughs> <laughs> in, in Congo, Pete mentioned that we are involved in community health evangelism. And that's really um, a ministry, a holistic ministry, which means uh, addressing physical and also spiritual needs in people's lives. And as we've been um, studying together on Sundays, 
Also, as we've been, those of us that have been a part of small groups in the multicultural conversations, we've been learning a lot about our relationship with God, our relationship with our own selves. Pastor Peter has been sharing a lot about who is my true self? Who am I in relationship to my brothers and sisters? And so in community health evangelism, one of the, let's say, lessons that we talk about is what is good health? But that's really, you know, to be a healthy person, what is your relationship to God? What is your relationship to your own self? What is your relationship to other people? And then an added one, what is our relationship to our environment? So using shalom that we've learned about, they do a kind of a, a little thing with their hand is shalom, your relationship to God. Shalom, your relationship to yourself. Shalom to your relationship to other people and our shalom to the environment, God's creation. And so that's just one of the things that is happening in Congo, happening here at the same time. We are all created to be unique beings. Each of us are formed by our unique experiences and the experiences of our communities, fears, struggles, hopes, and memories. As people who have been created by God in the image of God, it is good for us to live into who God has made us. How do you see your unique identity help engage differences in where you serve? So, um, so I was born, uh, my family of origin comes from Colombia, so Latino background. Um, and I think one of the uh, ways in which that shapes me is it helped, I feel third culture. There's a way in which having immigrated to the US and myself being born here, even though all my brothers were born there, I, there's a disconnect, a distance from Colombian culture a bit. Uh, we didn't grow up in a Colombian neighborhood in New York City. It was uh, Jewish or Asian. Um, and yet at the same time, even though I look white for the most part, um, there is a disconnect within that culture too. So I don't feel like I'm a part of any particular culture. Um, and so in some ways that it lets me kind of observe this, maybe like Canadian, right? If you're Canadian, you come and you see. Um, but if, <laughs> if uh, I, I can see like, oh, that's what that culture is like. That's what that culture is like. And oh, I have a culture too. Even it's a third culture kind of culture, whatever that is. And that's different depending on where you come from. Um, and so I feel like that helps me to relate to different groups. Um, also the immigrant experience. Uh, well, G Jesus says we're uh, to be in the world, but not of the world. And so in that way, we're all basically supposed to be immigrants, right? And so that, I feel like that gives me that perspective. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not fully, you know, the same as what I'm there for. Um, but yeah, so I feel like that, that helps me to bridge. And as Latina, we, we, we cross lines of boundaries and stuff pretty easy. Um, and so like when I go to hang out with the Queer Pride Graduate Student Association, uh, for me, that's, that's kind of easy. I go there, and, and though they may have whatever misconceptions about Christians, and some of them are actually founded, um, I go there, I hang out with them, learn to uh, engage in, with, in conversation with them, bring some of my students along, same to any of the other groups that we're engaging with on campus. And so I feel like that third cultureness, that um, feeling of, of comfort being in spaces where others might feel uncomfortable because you're not the majority culture helps a lot. 
as an Asian American um, woman, I think those were the, I learned from a very early age kind of the Asian American values as, and family values as well as, um, though I always thought I was white till I was like 25. And then, um, but, but I also have the Western values, right? Having grown in the United States. And so the blend and taking the best of both those sets of values allows me to float in spaces um, pretty easily. I can, I, can be on, I can honor the people um, who have more of a hierarchical background uh, where there's high power distance. I don't know if you know that term. Um, and then also, you know, um, yeah, I just have different things to bring that way. I also have an understanding of how indirect and direct styles of communication is, and I can flip back and forth to the point where I, it's very confusing sometimes, like, okay, we're trying to be on the same page here, but do I go to where you will hear me, or do I just be myself? So that's been an on, lifelong struggle, is <laughs> figuring out how do you be, you know, be yourself, but also um, be there for the person that you're speaking with, or a group that you're speaking with. So bridge building is one of the things that I've learned. Um, I come from a family, um, my grandparents, my mother and my father's side have always invested in Chinese people. And I'm like, I do not want to just focus on Chinese people. That just does not do it for me. Um, partly because when I was young, I didn't want to be Chinese, because as a kid, you don't want to stick out. And growing up in the 60s and 70s, there weren't positive images of Asian people on TV. It was quite negative. And so it wasn't until later that I actually embraced what it meant to be Asian American. Um, but bridge building is one of the stronger things that I learned. And as a woman, I've learned how to navigate in spaces where I'm more in the margin. Um, so I can advocate for people because I know how to work the system. I know how to, I know how to locate who's the person in power and who I need to influence or to get things done, if you will. So those are just a few things. I grew up on a farm in Northwest Iowa and didn't want to be a farmer and God's sense of humor. I ended up graduating from college with a degree in agriculture. My sense, our sense of call to go to Congo was to serve the church. My original sense of call to mission was to be building the church. The question is about my unique identity. So I've got that parts of background. I want to build a church, I want to build a healthy church. And I also have administrative gifts and in the middle of our time in Congo I was asked to be part of some administration and I've actually been a part of administration in various ways for over 20 years and find that that allows me places to help build relationships, seek reconciliation where there are relationships broken, sometimes between missionaries, sometimes missionary and national church partner. I sometimes might be asked to speak into within national church partners, so that's a very uncomfortable space, but you know, we're, and even now, as we're in the United States, as Cindy pointed out, we're partners with the Covenant Church in Congo, and, and we help be the bridge and help interpret the United States to the Congolese and the Congolese to the United States and build that, that community, build um, healthy communication um, both directions. And so that's who I am, and that's how it's fleshing out now, even though you look at a degree, it says something else. She's the one with the green thumb, not me. She'll go plant the flowers, and I'll work on other things. So, um. so I grew up in India, 
Um, and one of the cultural practices is for us to take off our shoes when we walk into somebody else's home. This is a way that we keep germs out and the dirt out from outside, uh, from entering into the guest's home or into the people's home that we are visiting. In Exodus 3.5, Moses encounters God in the burning bush and is asked to take off his sandals as a posture of humility. When he does this, he is um, reflecting his conscious acknowledgement of being in the presence of the holy God. Sometimes our doing aspect in mission can hinder us. The focus of mission can quickly become about us, our excitement, our doing, and less about it uh, being about God. We forget to be sensitive to the culture that we are called to. Uh, we forget to take a posture of listening and learning. Um, what are some ways that you have learned um, in your ministry setting to uh, take your sandals off when engaging in mission? So um, one of the, the ways that I articulate the gospel to the grad students um, within our fellowship and then to others who aren't Christian is to say that um, we are, uh, that Jesus died for us means the world is broken, we're broken, way more than we could ever imagine. And that means our minds, our understanding is also very flawed. So we're not saved because we're smarter, more moral, or any of that other stuff. Uh, we're saved purely by grace. And as a result, when I go and talk to somebody else, they might know a lot more, they might be more moral. I could learn a good bit if I listen. Ah, thank you. <laughs> I, I see what Peter likes that, thanks, Cece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so, and, and so, and when you look at it, Acts, Paul, he goes to a place, he figures things out, he's, he's asking questions, he's listening. So in this way of articulating the gospel, whenever we're going out, that's, that's the center of it. Um, also, the center of our faith is a man who dies for his enemies. And if we don't have that posture, if people aren't smelling that or feeling that from us, then, then we're going out wrong. So, so part of it is like, are we reminding ourselves of the gospel? And even as we preach the gospel, is this the gospel that we're preaching? Because if it is, even as we're talking to other people, we're reminding ourselves of, of what we're supposed to be doing. So that's one of the main ways. And so a lot of questions always go in asking questions about, and not just about their beliefs and stuff, but who, who, who are they? Why, why, what are their loves? What do they dream of? What are their maybe fears? And, and how can you come alongside them and love them? One of the values of community health evangelism, or CHE, is affirming local wisdom. And for too long in too many places in uh, the developing world, people from the outside, such as we missionaries and others, have come in and said, I have the answer to your problem. And CHE turns the focus around to, you know, talking within the community, within the group of people to hear them point out what their issues are and then looks for ways to find out what is the wisdom that you have to bring to this problem and affirm their local wisdom and they together decide on their solution. No one from the outside said this should be the solution or here's the answer from the outside. They together are doing that and we don't have time in this format to tell some stories. I just heard of in the last couple of days of villages that are raising up and doing things to change how they live in their village. It's gonna be life transforming. So again, it's asking questions, seeking to be a learner. I'm not bringing, I might be bringing the question. Actually, I'm not going out to the village because my white skin communicates a wrong message. We work with someone else who goes to the, quest, the village and brings the questions, not the answers.
Um, I would add, when I was working with IFES a little bit more, I was working in Eurasia, Latin America, and the Caribbean. And one thing that kept me very humble was the fact that I'm horrible at oral languages. Um, I learned Latin. I was really good at Latin, um, dead language, biblical Greek, biblical Hebrew, totally not helpful. And so I was dependent upon the local locals to actually do all the interpretation. I just prayed to God that something came out of good of what we were doing. And, you know, I was facilitating strategic planning and they were doing, they were coming up with all the solutions themselves. And I didn't even know sometimes what their solutions were because it was in Russian or it was, you know, it was just different, um, different languages that I didn't fully understand. And so that is one thing that has really kept me humble and, um, and also not doing anything that they could also do for themselves. So for me, part of it was knowing when to leave. Um, in Eurasia, I love the people there. I love, love working with them. I went to Ukraine multiple times during the revolution. I even, I was rebellious. I went down, they told me I, wasn't be, I wouldn't be insured if I went, but I did anyway, because it was near my birthday. I'm like, I want to live life. And I've lived a full life, so you know, I'm going to heaven. It can't be that bad. But I, I, so I went there and, and I've loved the people, but they have actually have the team. Um, the things that I brought was uh, team building exercises, strategy, and um, you know, friendship and, and stuff from the States that was cheap. And I'm like, well, you got that all on your team right now, so I wanna come, but I have no real reason to come anymore. And so for me, it was, it was being humble and saying, well, I, I guess it's time for me to leave and I can mentor you know, via Zoom now or, or Skype or something, but it was learning how to let go at, at times. Thank you for sharing. One of the themes that we've kept hearing um, from all the people that have um, been on the panel and also from the testimonies has been transformation. Not just people that they're serving have experienced transformation, but how they're experiencing transformation through their proximity to other people. Revelation 7-9 paints this beautiful image of how every people from every nation, tongue, and language will be standing before the throne worshiping God. This image is a call to us today as the church to engage in God's reconciliation, his mission of redemption and restoration for our world by first as the church being edified and then going out and serving as God served us. Thank you so much. Thank you, um, panel. That was, that was great. That was encouraging and inspiring. Uh, before CC and the team lead us in a uh, song to reflect, I'd just like to encourage you and sort of wrap up what we've heard um, here today a little bit. Um, you've heard repeatedly this idea that we have been um, reconciled to be reconcilers. Uh, Pastor Peter has been saying this for the last several weeks. You've heard it repeatedly today. Uh, that's, that's anchored in scripture, right? 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20 say that all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors.
And a question for each of us to reflect on today. We don't do Mission Sunday just to celebrate what God is doing around the world, although that's a part of it. We don't do a Mission Sunday just because we support missions and so we just have to do this once a year. Uh, we do Mission Sunday because we want to put the question before each one of us uh, to reflect on. Say, what is God inviting me to do? How is he inviting me to be a reconciler in my community, in my, among my neighbors, on my job? For some of us in other parts of the world. Many of us can't go to other parts of the world, but we can be reconcilers here. Right? We can support missionaries. We can pray for missionaries. We can support youth mission trips coming up. Hint, hint. Right? But even more than that, we can be reconcilers with the person across the street that we can't stand, who's always messing up our yard. We can be reconcilers to those who don't know Jesus on our street and on our job. So the question for you to reflect on is this. What is God inviting me to do? What posture is he inviting me to take among those he has placed me with? Jeremiah 29, 7 says, Seek the peace, seek the shalom of the city to which you've been carried into exile. As we live as exiles, as Peter says it, Right? What does that look like? How do I seek the shalom of the people that God has placed me among? So let's pray. Lord, as we reflect on what it means to be reconcilers, the fact that you have reconciled us through your great mercy, that you have brought some of us out of the pits of despair and hopelessness, you have brought some of us out of extravagant lifestyles and called us to simplicity. And others you have lifted up out of pain, out of suffering, out of bondage, out of boredom, out of aimlessness and purposelessness. God, you have invited us to follow you with all of our hearts. You've invited us to, to follow you in a way that shows to a broken world that you are real, that you are in fact the living God, that you are alive, yes. and that you are calling people to yourself. So we love you and we pray that you would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see your voice as you gently nudge us and sometimes as you slap us a little bit harder into where you're inviting us to go. Help us, Lord, to be open to your calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand on your feet with us as we sing this song in response? I think it's a perfect response.